your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 578 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you are hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And the Rangers, just a couple of minutes ago, wrapping up a very convincing 4 nothing road victory against the Philadelphia Flyers, a Flyers team that has just completely uh, phoned it in. Uh, they lost 9-2 to the Capitals the night before this, and they just, as a team, seem like they are out of you-know-what's to give. They just don't seem to be very engaged in these games, but take nothing away from the Rangers either. Like I said, I thought this was a very convincing, very complete victory. Rangers played some great defensive hockey. Obviously, Alex Georgiev comes up with a 28-save shutout, and Georgie, after struggling immensely uh, for you know a good chunk of this season, really, has continued his resurgence down the stretch here. Six straight wins, two shutouts in that time as well, and just playing a heck of a lot better than he was earlier. And I think part of that is the very simple fact that he's getting a little bit more playing time, which is a good thing. It gets Georgie right. It also gives Igor a little bit of rest heading into the playoffs. Obviously, Rangers are in a very advantageous situation where they know that they're going to be going to the playoffs. And as a result, they can, you know, give guys a breather if and when they need a breather, which leads me to my next point and something that certainly caught the attention of Ranger fans everywhere. And that's the very simple fact that Alexi Lafreniere was a healthy scratch for this game. Now, before everybody goes nuts, I do want to say that I don't think that Lafreniere was really a healthy scratch in the, you know, purest form of the term, if that makes sense. I, I don't think that, and it's not like Lafreniere's played great recently, but I don't think uh, Gerard Gallant looked at this and said, all right, Lafreniere, he's, he can't play. He's terrible. Get him off the ice. I don't want to see him out there. I don't think it was that at all. I get the feeling that, you know, we're coming down the home stretch here. Guys like Alexi Lafreniere and some of the young, other young players as well, guys like Capo Caco, they've never played an 82 game hockey season ever. This is the second game of a back to back. And Lafreniere, to be fair, listen, he has not really played all that great recently. He has a eight game point drought. And so this is probably a good time as any to uh, give him a little bit of a breather, let him kind of reset mentally. And hopefully he's back out there on Saturday against Detroit. And, you know, he's ready to bring it. Feels a little bit refreshed. I would be concerned if Lafreniere ends up being a healthy scratch for a second consecutive game, but I don't think that's going to happen. And it's tricky because I think one of the ways that you can solve Lafreniere's woes, at least as it pertains to scoring, or, you know, at the very minimum, uh, potentially help him get back on track is you put him back on the top line with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. I'd still be open to that move, even though it would result in Lafreniere moving from left wing to right wing, and it would also result in Frank Vetrano being taken off of that line. But the second of those two reasons is the main 
reason why I would be probably opposed to doing this because I just don't see how you take Frank Vitrano off of the top line with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider right now. And in fact, when you look at the Rangers' top six, there's really not any room for anybody who's not currently in the top six to join the top six. And that's a good problem to have because it means that your top six forwards are playing very, very well. You know, Kreider, Mika, and Vitrano on the top line. And then the second line of Strom, centering Panarin, and Kopp. I mean, they've all been great. So I don't really see a way to work Lafreniere back back into the top six, even though that is something that could get him going. I suppose you never really know for sure, because I would have never expected that the Rangers would take Lafreniere out of the top six. We were seeing him uh, play basically the best hockey that he's played ever since the Rangers drafted him when he got, you know, a nice run with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider on the top line. And of course, that resulted in Lafreniere having to play the right wing. He's naturally a left winger, but be that as it may, uh, it didn't seem to bother him too much because like I said, uh, he was playing some of his best hockey at that time. And then the Rangers made, uh, you know, some lineup changes. A couple of them felt kind of random going into, you know, a certain game. I don't remember exactly what game it was, but, you know, a lot of different line combinations, a little bit of uh, shuffling the deck. And, you know, a lot of us, myself included, we're not too happy about most of these changes. And we all learned pretty quickly not to question Gerard Gallant because I remember, uh, you know, I think that was the game where the Rangers jumped out to a 3 nothing lead really early. They scored three goals in like the first five minutes. And all of the goals came from guys who were on different lines. I know Vetrano had one. Pretty sure Lafreniere had one. Cop might have had one as well. Uh, but obviously, everything that Gallant touched going into that game uh, turned to gold. Uh, so, but that's also kind of leading me back to what I was talking about. I don't think that there's a way to take Vetrano out of his spot on the right wing top line and put Lafreniere there simply because Vetrano has been awesome. Uh, but by that same token, I didn't think the Rangers would do that when Lafreniere was there and when he was excelling. So I suppose you never really know for sure. I think the door should at least be cracked for Lafreniere to potentially reclaim that spot on the top line. I think just in terms of upside, and listen, Vitrano's been great, but in terms of like, you know, just pure upside and somebody who could really have a chance to go off in the playoffs and really take advantage of playing with Mika and Kreider, I think it might be Lafreniere uh, more so than Vitrano. If you're looking to really truly 100% catch lightning in a bottle, then Lafreniere might be your guy in the top line. It's very possible that Vetrano on the top line would produce better results than Lafreniere on the top line, but I think Lafreniere on the top line has the highest ceiling. Hopefully that makes sense. I just think that, you know, if one of the two of them was going to just truly go off come Stanley Cup playoff time, playing on that top line with Mika and with Kreider, that it would probably be Lafreniere. But the Rangers, they've got some options. That's obviously never a bad thing. And it's also a byproduct of these moves that they made uh, at the trade deadline. And also the simple fact that this team is finally starting to get healthy. Capo Caco and Kevin Rooney back out there. Caco comes up with two goals in this game, playing on the third line. I really thought, and I swear I wrote this into my notes uh, early in this game, because the first eight or ten minutes of this game were probably the Rangers' worst eight or ten minutes of this game. You know, they got off to a little bit of a slow start. The Flyers had, you know, the first five shots on goal. They were spending a lot of time in the Rangers' side of the ice, et cetera, et cetera. But what really got the Rangers going was that third line. I thought the Goodrow, Heedle, Kako line had some strong shifts early in the game when the Rangers were not having a lot of strong shifts. And then it obviously paid off when Capo Kako scored a pair of goals to give the Rangers a two to nothing lead. And we might as well just go ahead and go through Kako's two goals here because this is obviously one of the big talking points from this game as well. But 
Kako, first period. You know, again, the Rangers starting to find their footing a little bit, starting to get rolling, still scoreless at this point. But the Rangers win an offensive zone faceoff, and Kako immediately fires his shot off the crossbar. So he missed the goal by inches there, but he got another chance right after this and unleash a wrist shot from the high slot. And like I said, it's just great to see Capo Caco starting to get it rolling a little bit, hopefully starting to find the scoring touch. Because as we've talked about on this podcast over really this entire season, maybe even going back to last season as well, but especially this season, the Rangers truly become elite, truly become like, oh, wow, this team has a chance to win the Stanley Cup if and when Kako and Lafreniere can get to that next level and truly become the bonafide superstars that everybody was thinking that the Rangers were drafting. And they've both had their moments. They've both contributed to a lot of wins this season. But if those two can get to that superstar level, you know, going into the playoffs here, look out. I mean, look out anyway, because the Rangers have a great team. But if Kako and or Lafreniere can really take out, then it's next level. And uh, I don't think anybody wants a piece of the New York Rangers in the playoffs, if that's the case. But uh, great job here. Great job by Kako, you know, snapping off a shot, like I said, from the high slot area and scoring to give the Rangers the one to nothing advantage. Also worth pointing out here, Barclay Goodrow had an assist on this play. And he tied his career high with 27 points. And I believe he had an assist later in the game on the cop empty netter. So that would give him 28 points. Barclay Goodrow having a career season uh, by just about any measure. I know he's kind of a defense first forward, and that'll always be his forte. But this guy's chipping in offensively now, too. He's just been a fantastic addition to this New York Ranger team uh, coming over in exchange for just a seventh-round pick from the Tampa Bay Lightning. And obviously, he's going to be a big part of the Rangers and what they hope to do in the playoffs because he's a former two-time Stanley Cup champion. And as of right now, at least, he is the only active Stanley Cup champion on this New York Ranger roster. Maybe Sammy Blay comes back. Seems like a little bit of a long shot. Haven't heard much about Blay recently, but always nice to have at least a couple of guys who have been there and done that and have big-time playoff experience. And then to get to Capo Caco's second goal, uh, this one came Fairly early in the second period, you've got Filipino making a brilliant backhand pass from behind the goal line in front to Kako, and Kako just chips it in right from the doorstep there, lifts it over the right pad of the flyer goalie, and makes it two to nothing. And I should actually just back up uh, for a second here because this goal all came as the result of the Rangers working hard along the boards and simply outworking the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, mind you, outworking the Philadelphia Flyers right now is not really that hard to do. And that was on display for pretty much all night. But this was a great example of it right here. Hedl and Goudreau both fighting hard for the puck in the corner. And Hedl comes away with it. And like I said, he kind of sold that he was going to go uh, behind the net, maybe look to come out the other side or pass in front from the other side. But instead, before he got to, you know, right behind the net there, he passed out in front and got it to Kako. And like we said, Kako lifts the puck over the right pad and uh, scores and makes it 2 to nothing Rangers with 11.38 in the second period. So obviously fantastic to see Capo Caco starting to get rolling. You know, obviously he's only had a handful of games under his belt since coming back from the injury, but so far, so good, and you hope this leads to bigger and better things. We don't want to see Capo Caco, you know, have one point between now and the playoffs starting. We want him to take off and uh, hopefully, you know, just continue to uh, get back into the swing of things and be a threat for the Rangers come playoff time. And uh, we're going to continue talking about all the highlights and low lights from this game in just a second. But first, I just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. 
Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, and just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. You know, I mentioned Alex Georgiev in the intro just a second ago, but I think we got to spend some time talking about him, give him uh, his due, and, you know, just give him props for, once again, hang, hanging tough during what was certainly a challenging season. Once again, a 28-save shutout in this game here, and I thought some of his better saves of the night occurred early in the first period, and like I said, the first eight or ten minutes for the Rangers were their weakest eight or ten minutes of the entire evening, but Alex Georgiev really picked them up and, you know, made a couple of nice saves early. He made a save on a shot from the high slot. There was a rebound right after that, and Kevin Hayes, our old buddy, uh, tried to stuff it in from the doorstep, and Alex Georgiev stopped that shot as well. Got his glove on the first shot, and then he kicked out his left pad to deny Hayes on his stuff-in opportunity, and then... One of his better saves of the second period occurred when the Flyers actually got a two-on-one into the zone, and he really made a nice save on Travis Konechny. He also made another save against Konechny shortly after this. Uh, Konechny got a chance on the doorstep. He stick in a little bit. Alex Georgiev stayed with him all the way, steered the shot aside, and he ends up with, once again, a 28-save shutout and his second blanking of the season, and... Just wanted to kind of go through a couple of the greatest hits for Alex Georgiev there because he certainly deserves it with the way that he's played for the Rangers recently. He wasn't necessarily under a ton of fire uh, during this game. I think, you know, the 28 shots by the Flyers can be a little bit misleading. And, you know, it was quality over quantity. Not even that 28 shots is that many, uh, but not a whole lot of grade A uh, golden scoring chances for the Philadelphia Flyers. But Alex Georgiev was there when the Rangers needed him and uh, did a nice job helping them bounce back and get this win after a tough loss against the Carolina Hurricanes uh, the night prior. And it's also worth pointing out, you know, we were talking about the lineup and the tough decisions that Gerard Gallant has to make, you know, with so many players deserving of playing time. Uh, but one interesting storyline that's kind of developed here recently is that Patrick Nemeth was out of the lineup for the third consecutive game and is he a healthy scratch? Is he out with personal reasons? It seems it's just been a really, really strange season for Patrick Nemeth. I mean, to begin with, uh, his play has occasionally left something to be desired when he's been on the ice, but we also know that he had to deal with a bout of COVID this season, and obviously that slowed him down for a little bit. Came back, seemed to uh, play some of his better hockey of the season, but has recently once again taken a backseat to Braden Schneider and Justin Braun. For a while there, you know, Braun came over in the trade, and the first game that the Rangers played post-acquiring Justin Braun, you had Braun and Nemeth out there together. Then you had uh, Nemeth and Schneider out there together for a pretty long time. And now these last three games, once again, it has been Braun and it's been Schneider. I honestly don't know if Patrick Nemeth was available for this game. I know that he's now been a healthy scratch at least a couple of times this season, but the game before this one, he was out of the lineup and they were saying it was due to personal reasons. Now, I don't really know what these personal reasons are, and I don't really want to speculate either. Like I said, it's just been a very, very bizarre season because, you know, he's out of the lineup with an injury. And no, it's not an injury. It's actually because of a personal reason. No, it's not a personal reason. It's an illness, but it's not a COVID-related illness. And then, of course, he had COVID. Uh, just just very uh, just odd, um, but... Obviously, our best wishes to Patrick Nemeth. Hopefully, everything is okay. Uh, the good news out of all this is that uh, Braden Schneider and Justin Braun seem to have pretty good chemistry, and I know that, uh, you know, 
Braun moving from the right side to the left side. A couple of eyebrows went up when that happened, and including my own, because Justin Braun has never really played the left side, but he seems to be passing with fi flying colors, excuse me, doing just fine, and uh, had a pretty solid night for himself in this one as well. I tend not to notice Braun that much during the course of games, but when you're a defenseman, and particularly a stay-at-home defenseman as Braun is, I mean, I know he can give you a little bit of offense from time to time, but for the most part, a stay-at-home defenseman, if you're not really standing out that much, not always a bad thing. Um, but again, you know, I, I think him, him and Braden Schneider have played pretty well together, uh, you know. Braun tonight had 15 minutes and 39 seconds of ice time. That was second least on the team, only to Schneider, who had 14.39. But the Rangers, you know, they were pretty much distributing ice time evenly throughout this entire night. You know, rolling all three defense pairings, rolling all four lines, and uh, just taking care of business. It was a very complete win, and dare I say, one of the easiest wins that the New York Rangers have gotten all season. Now, part of that is the Rangers have just played very, very well recently, and we saw them do something tonight that they've been doing all season, and that is bounce back from a tough loss. Obviously, this certainly fits the bill. You go into Philly and basically just kick butt for 60 minutes and you win 4 nothing. I'd, I'd qualify that as a nice bounce-back performance. Uh, but when you look at you know time on the ice, very, very evenly distributed in this game here tonight. Uh, as far as the Ranger forwards are concerned, Artemi Panarin had the most time on the ice, and it was just 20 minutes and 30 seconds. Or excuse me, Ryan Strom that was that had 20-30. Uh, Panarin was two seconds behind him with 20 minutes and 28 seconds. Nobody else was at 20 minutes. I mean, Mika Zibanejad had 19.09. Uh, but besides that, every other New York Ranger forward, except for Ryan Reeves, who had 9.47, had at least 10 minutes of ice time. And I think this is a great time to have a game like this if you're the New York Rangers, where ice time, once again, very evenly distributed because you've got the playoffs right around the corner here. You're locked into a playoff spot. You know you're going to the postseason. And on top of that, this game was basically a laugher. I mean, let's just call it like it is. There was never a point in time watching this game uh, that you really felt like the Rangers were in any danger of losing the game. And so, to me, makes all the sense in the world with playoffs on the horizon and given the fact that this game was, again, a laugher, to just kind of spread out the ice time fairly evenly, let guys, uh, you know, maybe not take on as much of a workload as they do typically. Even Adam Fox only had 23 minutes and 38 seconds of ice time in this one. I mean, I say only, but compared to what Adam Fox normally plays, that's actually uh, kind of a light workload for him. He's been averaging 24 minutes and one second of time on the ice per night thus far this season. So a little bit of a breather even for Adam Fox in this game. And like I said, I think this was a good night to once again just very evenly distribute the ice time. And we will continue breaking down all the highlights from this game in just a second. One small negative from this game is that the Rangers are now, having gone 0 for 3 on the man advantage against the Flyers in this game here tonight, they are now 0 for their last 11 on the power play. They have not scored on the man advantage since the 3 to 1 win over the New Jersey Devils on April 6th. They went 2 for 3 on that night. But now, uh, for the entire month of April, the Rangers are now just 2 for 19 on the power play for the entire month. Now, I am not ready to panic as it pertains to this. I'll say the same thing about the power play that I said about the penalty kill when we saw the, the penalty kill go through a little bit of a dry spell for the Rangers. There are just too many good New York Ranger players, especially on this top power play unit, for this to be a long-term concern. I think it's one of those things where everybody goes through a slump every now and then. Uh, the Rangers got a five-on-three advantage in this game. 
They were up one nothing at the time. They had a five-on-three advantage for a minute and 55 seconds. They drew a penalty, and then five seconds into the power play, uh, Kevin Hayes tripped up Adam Fox. Just like that, it's a five-on-three. You're thinking this has to be a goal. And the Rangers maybe just a little bit too fine looking for that perfect play, uh, maybe passing when they should have shot. Uh, Panarin, like we said, there's times where uh, he can be very selfless even to a fault. And a couple of times I thought maybe he should have let it rip when the Rangers had the five-on-three advantage, tried to make a pass instead. Uh, the Rangers just could not convert. And like I said, now two for 19 in the month of April. The good news is that I think there's still time to get this right before the playoffs start. We are down to now, let's see, seven games left in the regular season. And I do think the dam will crack sooner or later. And the craziest thing about all of this to me is despite struggling on the power play in April, and despite the fact that the Rangers are two for their last 19 on the man advantage, they still came into tonight's action ranked number two in the league in power play efficiency. So despite, you know, a fairly sustained uh, slump here for the man advantage for the New York Rangers, once again, still number two in the league. But it's going to be very, very important to get that going again before the playoffs start. Like we said, you know, it seems like the Rangers and Penguins are on a collision course. The Penguins have a very good penalty kill. They were number two in the league on the kill. The last time I checked, the last time the Rangers and Penguins played each other. So uh, that's going to be a huge, huge matchup in that series if these teams do end up playing each other. And uh, obviously, fingers crossed, the Rangers can get it going, which I think they will. I think it's just a matter of time. Like I said, there's too many dangerous, lethal goal scorers, great passers on that top New York Ranger power play unit. If we get the second power play unit uh, clicking as well, then that's just an added bonus because the Rangers... Uh, number two in the league on the power play, despite not really getting a whole lot from that second power play unit for really the entire season. Maybe just a couple of goals here and there. I'd be surprised if it's more than five for the second power play unit. Uh, but again, something to keep an eye on and something that you hope that the Rangers can rectify as soon as this Saturday against the Detroit Red Wings. And in fact, the Detroit Red Wings have the third to worst penalty kill in the league. They kill off just 75.9% of the power plays that they face. And so hopefully that's a get right game for this New York Ranger power play unit. The good news is the Rangers continue to play excellent 5v5 hockey. And, you know, not too long ago, that was a big concern. You know, oh, man, the Rangers, they score all their goals on the power play. They don't do enough 5v5. Well, that has definitely done uh, something of a 180, like I said, in the month of April. Uh, but I did want to mention this goal scored by Artemi Panarin here. I mean, I figured we talked about both of Kako's goals. We might as well uh, shine the light on this goal by the bread man here, which was assisted by Jacob Truba. You've got a situation where the Rangers, you know, again, they're pretty much dominating this game. It's a little bit past the midway point of the second period. And, you know, the Rangers spending a lot of time on Philly's side of the ice. The Flyers try to clear the zone. Jacob Truba, a really nice job at the point, uh, keeps the puck in and all in one motion, sends a pass uh, diagonal across to the other side of the net. And Panarin's right there on the doorstep and he buries it right from point blank range. And I hesitate to call this a one-timer because it wasn't like this booming slap shot, but uh, by the letter of the law, I think you have to call this a one-timer and a very unique goal because you don't see one-timers from in this close. I mean, Panarin was only, you know, maybe a foot or two away from the goal crease, but like I said, Truba, you know, he stopped the puck from leaving the zone, sent it deep to Panarin, and Panarin's there, and it's not like this was a tip-in goal. Uh, he brought his stick back just a little bit. It was almost like a mini slap shot, so I guess you could call it a mini one-timer. Call it whatever you want to call it. It's a goal for Artemi Panarin. He scores from the doorstep and uh, gives the Rangers a 3-0 lead by scoring his 22nd goal of the season. He's got a shot at 100 points. You know, we've been talking about Ranger milestones quite a bit, and with that goal, Artemi Panarin is now up to 89 points 
So that would mean that he needs, doing some quick math here, 11 points in the final seven games, which is uh, certainly not easy, but certainly within reach for our Timmy Panera. We know how he can just go off and, uh, you know, offensively put the team on his back from time to time. He's been pretty hot lately, got a goal tonight, uh, has, let's see, four goals and five assists in his last six games. So he's got a shot at it. We'll see if he can get there. It would be really, really cool to see Artemi Panarin uh, hit the 100-point milestone for the first time in his career. And regardless, he very well could end up setting a new career high in points. His previous career high was his first season with the Rangers. He had 95 points in that season. So he's only six off his previous career high. And there was one other play that I wanted to talk about real quick here. It was actually a defensive play by the Rangers in the third period. The Rangers are up 3 nothing at this point, and the Flyers uh, get a rare scoring opportunity. They get a two-on-one break. Uh, Brayden Schneider was the lone guy back for the Rangers, and he defended this pretty well. Uh, but what really stood out to me was Mika Zibanejad and Frank Vitrano, both of them just flying to get back on the back check like their lives depended on it, uh, just both hitting the Jets. As soon as they saw this two-on-one developing, they were off to the races, both just busting their tails to get back and in position, and uh, I think disrupted the two-on-one just a little bit. Flyers didn't really get much of a scoring chance out of it. So uh, that really, really impressed me there as well. The Rangers are dominating, and just great to see two forwards, uh, you know, again, just skate back like it's... Game seven, double overtime, and they need to, you know, stop this scoring opportunity from happening. Great stuff there from Mika Zibanejad and Frank Vitrano. And then the only other thing that I wanted to mention before we call it a night here is just to give everybody a quick update on Vitaly Kravtsov. His team tractor uh, was eliminated in the Eastern Conference Finals of the Gagarin Cup playoffs of the Continental Hockey League. And I never thought I'd keep such close tabs on what's happening in the KHL playoffs. But uh, obviously, you know, with the possibility of, you know, Vitaly Kravtsov maybe making his return to the Rangers. Certainly, I wanted to, you know, at least keep an eye on how Tractor was doing. Uh, the Rangers were committed to letting Kravtsov finish his season with Tractor in the KHL. And we're going to look to recall him before his season ended. Well, his season is now over. Uh, Tractor fell to Metallurg four games to one in the Eastern Conference Finals. So in theory, the Rangers could call him back. I don't really expect it to happen. I mean, it just was not a good situation between him and the Rangers earlier this season. And for what it's worth, uh, Larry Brooks has not seemed to believe that Kravtsov will be in the Rangers' plans for either the rest of the regular season or the postseason. Uh, he tweeted this out earlier today. Kravtsov will begin his offseason training regimen in Russia rather than join the Rangers for a playoff run. But the plan is for him to arrive in New York early this summer to get a head start on camp. Post has learned. Discussion today between Drury and Kravtsov's agent, Dan Milstein. So if this is to be believed, then it sounds like Kravtsov will not be an option uh, for the Rangers in the playoffs. And like I said, I'll talk more about this uh, going forward. You know, the idea that Kravtsov could be coming back to the Rangers next season. The seeming revelation here that he will not be part of the Rangers postseason plans. We're going to jump into all that stuff in greater detail. For the time being, I'll just say that I understand this from the Rangers' perspective. I think that if the Rangers hadn't made a whole bunch of trades at the deadline and, you know, didn't get a little bit healthier recently than they've been, uh, then it might make a little bit more sense to look into bringing Kravtsov back into the locker room. I don't think Kravtsov's presence is going to completely derail the Rangers and everything that they've done this season. That's a really tight-knit bunch. I don't think it would really affect them negatively in any way. 
could be a little awkward when he first sticks his head back in there, but I'm sure uh, everybody would find a way to deal with it, and you know, hopefully the Rangers would just keep it moving forward. Uh, but with the Rangers, you know, playing as well as they are and bringing some of these new guys, I just don't know how he would fit in. I mean, we just mentioned earlier in this episode that you know Lafreniere and Kako, it'd be hard to see either of the two of them getting back into the top six. How in the world is Vitaly Krasov going to be in the top six or even the top nine? It'd be hard to see him even cracking this roster right now, giving everything that happened, uh, you know, between the Rangers and Krasov earlier this season. And just given the fact that the Rangers are playing great hockey and already have kind of a log jam at Ford. I mean, we saw Alexi Lafreniere, for whatever reason that it was, as a healthy scratch in this game here tonight. So, yeah, probably makes the most sense to try to just start fresh with Vitaly Krasov. I still think a trade could be coming before Vitaly Krasov ever uh, plays another game for the New York Rangers. But like I said, we're going to dive into all this in greater detail in tomorrow's episode. That will do it for tonight, though, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Host Steel Rodin and Flip Livingston help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.